1: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe.
0: Today's episode of the Believe in Steelers podcast is brought to you by betonline.ag. And we've got Ravens and Colts to finish out week five of the NFL season. If you want to place a bet on the action, bet online is the place to do it.
1: Hey, what a weekend we had. We had the Pittsburgh Steelers winning. I had to go to bet online. You had Tyson Ferry beating Deontay Wilder. I had to go to bed online so i'm just betting 24 7 but i'm always going to bet online baby
0: Ike, we're gonna break it all down on today's episode of the believe in Steelers podcast but before you listen or watch the show head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50 welcome bonus on your first deposit don't forget to use our promo code believe that's b-l-e-a-v to receive your bonus they've got football basketball like you said ike Boxing, casino games, a lot of great offers through the throughout the duration of the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, cue the music. It's time to start the show. Welcome to another edition of the Believe in Steelers podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mark Bergen, joined as always by my guy two-time Super Bowl champion and 12-year veteran of the Pittsburgh Steelers, Ike Taylor, and IT recording this the Monday after the Steelers' victory over the Denver Broncos. I tell you what, feels a heck of a lot better to be talking to you to snap the three-game losing streak, but to be victorious on this Monday compared
1: to the last several weeks. Man, I tell you what, I'm in the city of Sixburg. It feels a little bit better in this city. I see a lot of smiles, a lot of people being happy, a lot of money to be made because we're going to bet online. But yeah, let's start the show, baby. (laughs) And Ike, the Steelers aren't
0: dead. And we finally saw them do what we've been asking for for weeks. And that's put Big Ben under center, run the football. And Sunday's game marked the first time since week six of the 2020 season where the Steelers ran it more than they passed it and you saw what the end result was.
1: Bend and throw over 25 times, Pittsburgh Steelers came out with a victory. Gave gave the rushing game 30 attempts, Pittsburgh came out with the victory. Held a time of possession, Pittsburgh came out with the victory. Defense was, was unstoppable when they got on the field, even though they had a few mislapses, Pittsburgh came out with a victory. We've been saying this for the past two years, Mark. You run the ball more than you pass it. You let the defense win the ball games. You will be victorious. And look what happened on Sunday against the Denver Broncos. They finally listened to our podcast, dog. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and we got to see Aaron Naji Walter Payton style, over the top. He has his first 100-yard rushing game as a rookie and Pittsburgh improves to two and three on the season. And I thought he was terrific in establishing the ground game, had some cramps towards the end of the game. You've got to rely on your backups. We'll talk a little bit further about that, but I like what we saw from Najee Harris and again, it was like the first time I've seen Pittsburgh have a running game and it's been too long, like it's been too long, but to see him go over a hundred, get in the paint, as you like to say on that touchdown, this is why the Steelers drafted him with that first round draft pick.
1: Offensive line got in the rhythm. Najee got in the rhythm. Najee got the stiff arm in a lot of people. Najee wind up getting in the paint. I think Najee had 70, 78, 71 yards in the first half. So that's always a good sign. They just they just doing now what we've been talking about for the past two years. And that's just running the ball. You got your first round. Uh, running back in Najee, you saw what he did at Alabama. You put him in a shotgun if you wanted to, even though I asked Big Ben to get under center, and he did a lot more times this Sunday than he ever did. What you do when you put a guy like that under center, he doesn't get hurt. What you do with a young offensive lineman is is they get an opportunity to get in the rhythm and open holes for a, a young rookie stud in Najee Harris, and that's exactly what happened. You threw under 25 times, you rushed over 30 times, Ben doesn't get hurt because he handing the ball off. The offensive line gets in the rhythm. So does Najee, and you come out with a W. But that's exactly why you drafted Najee to tote the ball like that between twenty five and thirty times per game. I think the Steelers placed a call into Ike Taylor because <laughs> Ike, you've been saying this for weeks now. You saying this? Big Ben
0: under put him under center, and they finally did that. Like the opening drive of the game, like I just want to state for this for the record here right now. I'm cool with the Steelers scoring on the opening drive of ball games. And if you want to take a deep shot and find Deontay Johnson down the field, it's the second consecutive week Steelers scored on their opening drive of the game. I'm cool with that. I'm cool with that. Let's score on opening drives more often. Let's make this a trend.
1: How you about the offense and help out an older Big Ben and a young offensive line? You hand the ball off to Najee. And you give the offensive line and get them in some kind of groove. That's exactly what you do. You got 25 attempts. If you go more than 25 to 30 attempts and let Big Ben sitting back there, it's going to be a few times where he's going to be covering some bad situations. And hopefully the young man don't get hurt. But if you just keep him under 25 to 30 times attempts, and I'm talking passing for seven, man, you're cooking with gas, as 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 uh, Coach T would say. And not only are you doing that, you're helping Ben out not only right now, but in the long run, and there go your play-action pass. So everything good for the offense comes off of the run and getting under center. The play-action pass deep to Deontay, you get the offensive line again in the rhythm with your running back, and you keep Ben from getting hurt because you're not throwing as much attempts as you used to would when it comes down to the passing game.
0: Yeah, I thought overall they did a nice job slowing Von Miller and that Broncos pass Mm -hmm. rush. I know... Ben had the fumble where he got absolutely crushed. But other than that play, I think the line did a nice job protecting him. Going back to the running game, Najee leaves the game with cramps. And on that opening drive, I think Big Ben did a great job finding Deontay Johnson, considering that Benny Snell dropped what would have been a sure first down pass. And with the struggles of this offense, it was like, you know, he delivered a pass that's right on the money. And with Snell, it's like, how many more opportunities can we give him? Uh, I'm fine with Kalen Balazs getting those second team reps, really until Anthony McFarland comes back. McFarland is off IR, so he's due to return here at some point in the next three weeks or so from that knee injury. But what my my point, Ike, is, is whichever player it is for the Steelers, I want the Steelers to find the Robin to Najee Harris's Batman to get a two-headed monster in that backfield to further establish the running game.
1: Yeah, I think that's McFarland. But they're just waiting for McFarland to come back. I think Snell's, uh, they're trying to give him as much opportunities as possible. He just got to capitalize on them and not make the mistakes. But other than that, I think that's McFarland's to lose once he get back. Very
0: good. Ike got an injury to deal with, too. Devin Bush left the game, but then... News breaks this morning about Juju Smith-Schuster in his shoulder injury. Steelers are expected to put Juju on IR, meaning he'd miss a minimum of three games. The Steelers fear that he could be out for the rest of the season. We'll see what the severity of that shoulder injury is. I know he left the game, looked really, really painful, but this might be Juju's last ride in Pittsburgh considering he signed a one-year contract extension This offseason and really it was to be able to play with Big Ben one last season. But if it is as bad as they might expect it to be, and I don't want to eulogize Juju Smith-Schuster until we know more about the severity of the injury. But if it is a season ending injury, it might have been his last game as a
1: Steeler. Yeah, hopefully it's not. That hit from Williams was a downhill in the alley kind of hit. I saw that hit. I watched that hit. And that's exactly how you want your safety to come downhill on anybody. It just so happened to be Juju and Juju is a tough kid. We can say we want to say about his antics and and does he really love football or like football when it comes down to some of his off the field things he'd like to do. But at the same time, from what I know, he's tough as nails and for him to cringe and make those faces when he got hit. Man, I knew something was wrong because that's a tough son of a gun when it comes down to that football field.
0: I certainly hope he has a chance to redeem himself and to prove himself in a contract season to prove that he's worth that $8 million deal. Because if you just look at his production this season, I mean, we've talked about it a lot, Ike, of what the tape shows. And what the tape shows is that he was a beneficiary of the attention that Antonio Brown drew when AB was still in Pittsburgh. And he hasn't produced to that same level since AB left town. Now it's not to say he's not a good receiver, but to put up the production that he had when he could play the Robin to A.B.'s Batman. It's just something that we have not seen since A.B. left town.
1: Yeah, so you're a truck or a trailer. That's how we used to call it on on, on, uh, on the field. A truck is carrying people. A trailer is, man, I need help. You know what I'm saying? So at at the point in time, you know, uh, A.B. was a truck. He was carrying a lot when it came down to attentions, when it came down to defense coordinators' understanding where A.B. was and not letting A.B. trying to get off uh, and have huge plays. A.B. still wind up beating, uh, you know, single and double and triple coverages sometimes. Mm-hmm. And Juju was wide open. Uh, you know what I'm saying? He's going against linebackers, safeties in, in third string, and third string and nickel cornerbacks. Now Juju become the man, it's a little bit different. Now you really become that truck. So uh, w- what kind of truck are you when it came down to it? Not a lot of people uh, don't understand it's hard to be a number one receiver in the league. It's very hard to be a number one. It's only a few guys who are number one. I know a lot of guys get drafted to be that one, but it's really the Keeper 100, which is only a few number ones, and A.B. was one of them guys who was number one. Honestly, you can just look at what he's doing over there with the Tampa Bay Bucks. You know, he's back to that old A.B. with Tom Brady now that he's back healthy. But, yeah, Juju, you just got to understand and just got to look at yourself, man, and mama truck or trailer. Do I need help around me for me to get off or do I or can I lead the team? Is this guy looking for me, this guy? And I'm talking about seven. Can this guy look for me every time and I wind up getting open? Or do I need somebody else to kind of take the load and for me to get a, a linebacker or a third string, third string cornerback a nickelback to, to carry me on? So that's how you got to look at it And right now. You know, we, I look at I look at Juju not only as a good physical player, but he's a trailer, not the trucker at this point in his career.
0: And Ike, I'm going to flex your resume here a little bit. This is coming from a player who played 12 years in the league. And Ike, you went up against the best and the best in the NFL during your career. So take that insight. If you're listening to this show right now or you're watching us on any of your streaming devices, Facebook, YouTube, what have you, This is coming from a player with more than a decade of experience in the league and who went against the best of his best during his playing career. Two other things I want to get to before we get to James Pierre's heroics is Chris Boswell, the epitome of consistency, making a 43-yard field goal, a 48-yard field goal, and it's as simple as this. The sky is blue, the grass is green, and Chris Boswell nails field goals. He has just been Mr. Consistent for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He comes through yet again on Sunday when the Steelers need it most. And if not for Tucker across the division in Baltimore, I think we'd be talking about Chris Boswell as one of the premier kickers in the NFL. Hey,
1: Chris Boswell, you know, Bosic, um, aka, Mr. Let me kick that damn ball because I'm shooting threes. <laughs> that's all he's doing. So he taking, he putting he putting basketball in the football because that's all he is, a switch at a three point line, regardless on where you push him, put him. And that's hard to do, not only in a lot of fields, but especially in Hinesville. A couple of weeks ago, I think he broke the record for the longest field goal at Hines at Hines Stadium. And it's just hard, man. It's just hard kicking into that lake and kicking into that field. But Chris been doing it consistently over uh, over a short amount of years. And you said the best between him and Tucker, man. Them two gonna fight for that for that all pro Pro Bowl position. But right now, how consistent? If you want to talk about anything that has just been consistent. On that offensive side, it has been Chris, ball, Chris Boswell. Boswell, And on the defensive side, it's just been a defense. But, yeah, Chris Bosley, man, Mr. Let Me Kick, that, that damn ball. He's been balling all year, and he just finished off what he did last year. So, kudos to Chris, man, for just keep kicking. Or, if you play basketball, shooting them threes, baby.
0: I love that. New long snapper in Christian Coots. Presley in the third is new placeholder this year. So he's working with a new team this year as well, Ike. And then right. one other thing, too. I want to give a shout-out to the Steelers fans. And I saw that many players mentioned this in the post game, And I thought it was evident on TV as well. I thought they made a huge difference on Sunday. That home field advantage at Heinz Field, I thought they were loud. I thought they made a huge difference. And I thought that maybe without that home field advantage, are we talking about a different result? The way that the Steelers had an 18-point lead and it shrunk down at the end, they hung on. Uh, but I, I thought the fans made a huge difference in Sunday's game.
1: Man, that that home field, I, I was I was here. I didn't go to the games because I don't go to games. But, Mark, man, the weather was beautiful. The weather was beautiful in Pittsburgh. And the fans, I mean, that's what you play for. You know, you play for a lot of things. Um, you have a lot of goals when it comes down to football. But, and it ain't nothing better than playing in front of people and showing off and, you know, getting getting whoever is your fan to, to talk smack and be like, I told you that's my guy. Yeah, that's the reason why I like my guy. So, man, I like the fans. I mean, really, that's what we play for. You know, it's just sports, especially a stadium like a football stadium, man, it just brings all color, creeds, ethnics, everybody together, regardless on what your religion is, regardless of who you are, man. I can sit, I can sit beside whoever in the stadium. And we got one thing in go, I me and Common, and that's loving the Pittsburgh Steelers. And that's what you just got to love about fans, um, just from all genres, just being in the stadium and, and cheering and supporting you, man. It's a it's a real good feeling. It brings chills to you. You know, you, you got to be on the field and really see and, and, and feel that ground shaking. And that's coming from thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands, and thousands of people just, just all getting in one groove. It's like a choir getting in one groove and one vibe, man. But I don't, you know, during the pandemic, that was real hard to do. Now, since the pandemic, slowly but surely trying to weave itself out, fans are able to get in those stadiums, man. That's that's one of the goals as a player, who you play for, man, is to play in front of fans.
0: 100%. Ike, before we get into your Taylor Tog segment, where we're going to break down that key interception that uh, James Pierre had at the end of the game, few things I want to mention with him. An undrafted rookie from a year ago. Cam Sutton was out in this game. So insert Pierre at that right cornerback position opposite Joe Hayden. And this was a Broncos team that targeted Pierre throughout the game. And towards the end, when it mattered the most, he came through. A couple of other plays I want to mention before we get to your Taylor Talk segment was the long run that Javante Williams had. I believe this was in the first half. He rips off a 49-yarder. Pierre tackles him all the way down at the Pittsburgh two-yard line. And that play saved a touchdown. The Broncos settled for a field goal on that drive. You keep four points off the board. Now, I know Cortland Sutton had heck of a game, seven receptions, 120 yards. But when it mattered the most, this young player, only in his second year, again, an undrafted rookie from a year ago, Came through and delivered when the Steelers needed it, and so I, I, my my hats off to him because, yeah, there were times he struggled in this game, but he delivered when it mattered the most, and he came through when it mattered the most. Like you say, the sideline tells the story, and we'll watch that interception play here in a minute. But watch Minka Fitzpatrick on that play and how elated he is. I I, I thought it was just terrific, and my hats off to to Pierce's performance on Sunday.
1: Hey, before we get to the play, though, man, I'm just going to let you know it's hard playing corner, you know, let alone just just overall because we got to react to what you're doing as an offensive player. Um, it's hard playing corner in the NFL because it's the best of the best. It's the cream of the crop. But one thing always stuck out with me, even as a defensive line, Casey Hampton, my D tackle, uh, James Farrell, my middle linebacker, Coach LeBeau, my defensive coordinator, slash, uh, slash dad, they always said, man, have a short memory. And having having a short memory as a cornerback, man, these guys going to make plays. You can't hold on to it and bring it to the next play because the team needs you the next play. And that's exactly what JP did. But JP won't get credit on tackling the running back from the Denver Broncos on the four-yard line and they wind up kicking three kicking three instead of going for seven. He won't get that credit. But I guarantee you Coach T, uh, Coach Keith Butler, and everybody on today, that will be in the film session when all the groups come up and that's going to be the play Coach Tomlin is going to talk about that play because that's a hustle play. That's an effort play. That's a play that you won't get paid off. That's not a that's not a splash play. That's not a play that's going to make ESPN. But when it comes down to the camaraderie and the hustle and the effort and, and you being undrafted and you making the team and now you're in a position to start and make plays and you make that play, that's what the teammates and the coaching staff love about jp and that's something you just can't coach his effort
0: mike, i'm so happy you mentioned that i want to go really quickly back to the offensive side of the ball you mentioned another key hustle play it was in the first half ray ray mcleod preventing broncos def- uh, nose tackle mike purcell from making an interception and and tackling him before he can catch the ball really and as he's gathering the ball in And preventing a turnover is one of those plays that you're talking about. A lot like Pierre chasing down Javante Williams. Not necessarily going to show up in a box score. Not necessarily isn't going to make the highlight package on ESPN. But those kinds of plays are absolutely critical in winning ball games. So that was just yet another example of what we're talking about. Right. I agree
1: with you 100%.
0: So with Pierre, let's go to the play, Ike. Because, and I'll set this up too. This is coming from the understanding on the, the fourth down conversion on the drive before Cortland Sutton beats Pierre on a 39-yard touchdown. Right. So right. at the very end of the game, clocks dwindling, fourth down conversion in the red zone, and Bridgewater goes to the corner of the end zone again and targets Pierre Ike. But we're going to pull up the play now courtesy of the footage over at NFL Game Pass. want to break down what you saw on
1: this play. Uh, yeah, so what, what I saw on this play, don't play it right now, but what I saw just, just watching J.P. throughout the game was how you going to respond. And that's that's all your peers and your coaching staff, and even the fans sitting in sitting in the stadium, they want to know how you're going to respond. You've been picked on throughout the course of the game. They're not going to go at Joe Hayden. They're going to target you. They're going to put Sutton on that side, and they want to see if you want to stand up in the paint. In this play, if we can roll this play, this is exactly what J.P., he stood up in the paint, had an up and down. We're not going to talk about uh, on ESPN or the news on what he did, but if you can stop it right here, what he did was he got his head around. He got his head around just as fast as as the receiver. He said, man, I'm getting tired of y'all picking on me. Here's my opportunity. Y'all scored a touchdown on me. I was pissed off. Y'all not going to talk about it in the newspaper, how I walked the running back down and made him kick three. But you know what? If you keep, if you keep picking on me, I'm going to make you pay. And that's what exactly what JP did. It came down to the game winning clinching. He turned his head around. He squeezed the receiver to the sideline. So the receiver had nowhere else to go. If he was going somewhere, it was going to be out of bounds. So that means he couldn't have been the first to touch it. And if you roll this play, if you roll this play, Miss Courtney, JP wound up catching his goddamn interception clinching. And look how happy. Look how happy Fitz is. Look how happy his teammates are for him because they yes, understand. Sir know how hard it is playing cornerback how hard and how you feel when you felt like you getting picked on and a man wound up clinching the goddamn game for the Pittsburgh Steelers now we all taking pictures
0: <laughs> I, lo- I love it Ike and to know too on that drive too he very nearly had an interception earlier on the drive Correct. as well so Correct. it's like how many times are they going to keep going after me here and you could just tell uh, here, Ike, just in a way. straight man coverage, they try to get the corner and Bridgewater one-on-one scenario. And like you said, watch the reaction of his teammates, Ike. You tell me all the time the sideline tells the side story. Line, tell just, just watch the pure joy of Minka Fitzpatrick. It, line, it warms my line. heart, Ike, on this Monday.
1: You see a Minka going crazy. If you just keep watching the video, you see uh, Edmonds come through. If you keep watching the video, you even see Chase Claypool come off the bench and give him a depth in the end zone. So that's saying a lot, how his teammates feel about him. So I'm sure that was a a lot of joy after he got that interception. And, of course, you can see right there, he's telling everybody to hush, he's got this. Ike, what does that do for
0: the confidence of a young player, Uh, especially an undrafted player, now uh, that you've proven that you can do it with the game on the line?
1: Man, you can't describe that in words because it's the grind. It's the opportunities you don't get because you're undrafted. It's the it's the no-room for error because you're not drafted. You know what I'm saying? You're at the bottom of the barrel. You gotta work your way up. It's the first and second, third, fourth round draft picks that are gonna get as many opportunities as you. It's the training camp. Man, I gotta catch the coach eye every play. And that's what JP have done since he's been there. He just caught the coaches play and coaches. When they go to training camp and they get to looking at the depth chart, I'm like, I can't cut this dude. Like, I I want to cut him, but I can't cut this dude. Who else I need to cut? And that's the front office talks and the coaches' talks. But over the course of a couple of years, man, J.P. has proven himself not only to be established, but be able when somebody's down and hurt to get on the field. And once he got on the field, even though he had a roller coaster, he finished the game strong. He had that short memory. And that's what you like about professional athletes, them kind of stories right there.
0: He's gotten some action because Sutton was out this past week. Mm -hmm. Joe Hayden was out in week two, so we'll see. This was a position group going into the year where we had a lot of questions about just giving the depth or maybe what we thought lack thereof, but this is a young player who could be coming on now, and if Sutton has to miss more time, we see what he can do with the game on the line. Hopefully he can carry this in to future weeks for the Steelers. So. Really exciting finish. And I was nervous, Ike, because the Steelers had an 18 point lead and Denver just wouldn't go away on Sunday.
1: Yeah. You know, JP, a Florida guy, um, a down south Florida guy, undrafted Florida guy, 6'2, 185. So, you know, it's just now, now he's now, hopefully he can get in some kind of groove. Um, hopefully that can all the way boost his confidence. Um, I'm sure his peers are happy for him. You just saw it on the tape. So I'm happy for the young man.
0: Ike, we'll get to some of our other week five observations. And I tell you what, you mentioned him on the show the other week. Trayvon Diggs is in the matrix right now. Six interceptions in the matrix. I'd say doing his best Deion Sanders impersonation.
1: Man, you you saw what the man said with Coach Nick Saban. You know, Nick Saban said, man, I'm going to move you from wide receiver to cornerback. Uh, He called his brother Trayvon Diggs now who's playing for the Buffalo Bills wide receiver superstar and was crying to his brother like, man, what the hell should I do? His brother said, man, we need to get to work. (laughs) That's what the hell we need to do. And look at him now. That was the best decision. Um, Even though it probably hurt him at the time, that was the best decision. The young man could have did. He could have pouted. He could have transferred to another school and played receiver. But he wound up sticking it out, got his footwork and technique together. Now he's playing that good cornerback. Now he's shut down at the cornerback. But now it makes sense, the fact that he played receiver, and when the ball is in the air, he doesn't panic, and he's coming down with the ball just like a wide receiver would. So kudos to Trey not giving up, uh, staying on point, getting in the damn matrix. Six interceptions in five games. Is it seven or six? So he got six interceptions. Yeah. Six. interceptions in five games or six games, ain't nobody doing that right now. I think the last time somebody did that for Dallas was 1970, if I'm correct. So, shout out to Diggs, man. Just sticking to it. Uh, Understand that sometimes it hurts. But, man, you made the best out of it and look at you now. So, do you want to give him
0: NFL Defensive Player of the Year now or later, Ike? Because if he keeps up at this pace, my Lord. Like, he's able to bait quarterbacks, and I think it's going to get to the point where they don't even target or throw on his side of the field. I think he's been that dominant this
1: season. No, nah, he's in his own. Um, if you watched uh, hard knocks in Dallas, he wanted to challenge every receiver. Uh, he got beat a few times in training camp against Amari. But other than that, you know, between him, Dak, and Amari, man, they was all talking smack. For me, man, that's what I want as my cornerback. I need a dog as a cornerback. I need a dog who's not only going to bark, but he's going to bite. And and, and digs. that's all he's doing. He's doing a lot of barking, but he's also doing a lot of bite. That's a real combination. Usually it's one or the other. But right now, man, he's just taking that confidence to a whole another level. And that defense he's playing is able – what Coach got him doing in that cover three defense, man, he's just able to make plays. So all the boys, as you see right now for the Dallas Cowboys, they're just flying around and making plays. They're not thinking. They didn't simplified the defense. They're using their young guys. Um, They're getting rid of old guys, as we talked about. And them guys just flying around, man. When you see one, you see all. Yeah,
0: we talked about what they did in the draft on previous episodes (laughs) of the Believe in Steelers podcast, led by Micah Parsons, who the fact that the Penn State linebacker fell to them, uh, I think they picked 12th, is just incredible. But all of their draft capital was spent on that defensive side of the ball, defense that struggled last season but looks like it's much improved this season, and Diggs is part of that, Michael Parsons part of that. We got a nice little defense over there in Dallas uh Ike, and a few other games too. I tell you what Justin Herbert in his sophomore season has <laughs> just been downright incredible, and I thought it was crazy to say that you're gonna bet against the chiefs at the start of the season to win that a f c West division, and what Herbert's been able to do in his sophomore season is nothing short of remarkable, and he did it.
1: Yet again on Sunday, nasty Mister Unbelievable, Mister No, he didn't, Mister God damn it, that's that's all the three misters, you know Justin Herbert is man because like like we say you got quarterbacks, you got quarterbacks who are trucks again. So I'm getting back to my truck or trailer. Justin yes. Herbert truck, bro, he carries a team, and his coach said the best in the post game conference, like. When you have to have a shootout, when you need to win ball games, you need a superstar quarterback, and that's exactly what Justin Herbert is. He's a superstar quarterback. He have taken his game from last year to a whole another level, Mark. To a whole another. That's that's another guy who just we talked about Trayvon Diggs, that corner in the matrix. Justin Herbert is in the matrix right now. The game has slowed tremendously for him. He sees everybody open. He anticipating well. He's dropping a goddamn football in the bucket. That's exactly what he's doing, and you can just see the confidence. You can see him for the post game. You can just see him at the podium for the post game and his confidence. So you can only imagine how he's playing on the field with all that confidence. But to come back and win ball games, because that's what he did the last two weeks, to come back and win ball games, and to come back against a defense who's that good for the Cleveland Browns, to come back and go shot for shot for offense who's that good in Kansas City. And win ball games in a hostile environment? I mean, he wasn't in a hostile environment. He was at home against Cleveland Brown. But still, that's that's a shootout, 42-47. And you wind up going to KC two weeks ago, going against Patty Mahomes and having a shootout and winning that ball game. That's saying a lot, but it's the way he doing it. It's the way he doing it. It's the, man, let's go for it on fourth down all the time. We don't need a punting team to ever coach. Tell special teams, man, stay there, but at home. <laughs> that's the confidence he has as 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 being that qu- offensive uh, quarterback, but he's a superstar, bro. It, it ain't no if ands. He's an elite superstar, a young superstar. Like he didn't took he took more than a jump, man. He didn't took a few miles when it came down, when it comes down to the IQ, when it comes down to anticipating what the defense is gonna do. When it comes down to dropping the ball in the bucket, Justin Herbert, man, he 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 just like my cigar, he's one of a kind. That's exactly what he is.
0: I want to go back to your trailer truck reference. When people ask me, Mark, what's your role here on the Believe It Steelers podcast? <laughs> I'm here for the Ike Taylor car references. That's my role here.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I take it. Hey, we work good
0: together, so that's all that matters. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Justin Herbert is the only player in NFL history with more than 10 games with 300 plus passing yards in the first two years of his career in rare air there. And right now, like the MVP odds, I think he's in that discussion. I think Kyler Murray's in that discussion in Arizona. Tom Brady's probably there too at the age of 44. But right now, if I had to choose through five weeks of the season, I'm either going with Herbert or Kyler Murray. You know, it's like choose your flavor, if you will, in all honesty, because both have been terrific so far.
1: Yeah, between them three you just named, uh, Kyler, Herbert, and uh, Grandpa Tom. Uh, you can say what you want to. The man just thrown for five touchdowns and damn near 500 yards at the age of forty-four. And that's his first time ever doing that, and he's been in the league for 20 years. So whatever avocado ice cream he get, man, I'm going to go out and shoot him a DM on Instagram. I need that same thing because if, if, if I can do that at the age of 44, 40, man, that's That's saying some good things. At the age of 44, the man throwing for five tubs close to 500 yards. At the age of 44, Lord, have mercy. (laughs) Lord, have mercy. The man is We'll
0: find the fountain of youth in the sunshine state of Florida. I think that's what we're going for here. 100%.
1: I I tell you what, in that
0: Chargers-Browns game, though, I had never seen this, Ike, and it made sense that the Browns did this. The fact that they carried – austin eckler into the end zone to score the touchdown to get the ball back it was the smart play because otherwise the chargers Correct. can run the clock out and Correct. just kick the game-winning field goal i've watched football for the last two decades i've never seen that before
1: hey that's a high iq on the defensive side you got to have a iq high iq to understand man they're gonna try to hold the ball to get them in good field goal position to make us use the timeouts to have no time left. but now they did it perfect they they carried the man into the end zone um, it didn't work out in their favor, but they put their team in position to at least try to win the ball game at the end. A
0: few other things I want to get to, like uh, the Bengals kicker celebrating because he thought he had made the field goal when he actually missed it. I've seen yep. that before. I can't recall when I had pure <laughs> <their laughs> comedy on Sunday in the Bengals Packers game. Five missed field goals between the two right. teams. It was a historic day in terms of field goal misses. Green Bay comes out on top, but the Bengals, frisky again. And I, I think that they're really starting to emerge in the AFC North. I'm a little bit nervous about Cincinnati. I'm telling you. I'm telling
1: you, man. The Cincinnati Bengals, this this ain't the old Cincinnati Bengals no more. You're looking at T. Higgins. He was the dog at Clemson. You're seeing what Jamar Chase doing. He sat out a year you know, getting dra- and wound up getting drafted high. And then you got Tyler Boyd and Joe Mixon and company, man. Joe Mixon. He said that. He said they got offensive lines. He warned us in the preseason. He said, "Look, we got some we got some nasty guys. They ain't talking about nasty not taking no showers. I'm talking about nasty <laughs> man guys like down the dirt on this field as an offensive line court. And that's exactly what they're doing, man. They're busting holes wide open for them boys to run through. But yeah, you gotta you gotta watch Cincinnati, man. And Joe Cool just Joe Cool. If y'all ain't know no better, y'all know Joe Cool. That's one thing he's gonna do. He's gonna be cool under pressure, and he's gonna be cool smoking a one of a kind cigar."
0: I love it. We're going to have an announcement about your cigar line at the very end of the show, Ike. So Mm -hmm. just to tease ahead to the listeners, watch to the very end because we've got some important news on that front. I tell you what, though, the Chiefs below five hundred after the loss last night on Sunday night football to the Bills. I thought the Bills looked really good, but it's as simple as this. Two things I think with the Chiefs, Ike. Number one, if the defense continues to play the way that it has, that championship window might be shut At least for the time being because this defense is not getting it done now i know that chris jones didn't play in last night's game i know that javarius ward didn't play back they need those both those players back asap but if you just expect this offense to score every time down the field that's not happening they're not protecting the football mahomes has more interceptions than he's had already through five weeks compared to 2020 and 2019 he already has six interceptions He's done a great job at protecting the ball through his career, whether it's his fault or not. I know there was one play. It was right in Tyreek Hill's hands. It bounces off. The bills get a pick six, but that, that chiefs defense just is not championship caliber as it stands right now. And I hate to say this too, because he got hurt in last night's game, but Clyde Edwards, he as a first round draft pick right now, I'm comfortable saying this. I I don't think that that was the right pick at the time, just given the positional value of running backs. I think he's good in space. I would use him more along the lines of say like a Darren Sprouls or Tariq Cohen kind of player versus being your bell cow, because he is more undersized than your traditional running back, but to spend a first round pick. And we know what Andy Reid can do developing the running back position. I go back and look at the production of a player like Brian Westbrook back in the day when he was with the Eagles, I I am comfortable saying this. I just don't think that Clyde Edwards, he pick hit home and we'll see how much time he misses now too, because his teammates were carrying him off too. So I do hope he gets the opportunity to get back on the field quickly to prove himself. But this chiefs, this chiefs team is just downright struggling. And I know going into week five, I they were the odds on favorite to emerge out of the AFC to win the AFC this season. And right now, the way that the defense is playing, the struggles of the offense protecting
1: the football, I don't see it with the Chiefs right now. I really don't. Well, with that Clyde Elvis alert pick, you gotta understand they fresh off the of Super Bowl. So that was like a luxury pick for them. So that I don't, I don't, you know, that that was cool. Um, like you say, uh if I'm gonna get somebody in the first round, this guy is it's gonna have to be a big guy. When it comes down to the running back position, it's gonna have to, it's it's gonna have to be somebody who can carry the load. But I think for them, they were just wanted to add another luxury weapon to him. So that's exactly what they did coming off that Super Bowl. It's just the sad fact is in the past two years, Clyde edwards will have been hurt. That's the only thing at that running back position. You know, he's he 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 hasn't been healthy enough to, to go a full 16, 17 games for the season in the NFL the past two years. Um, as far as the Kansas City Chiefs offense, uh what they're doing now, they're daring the the kansas City chiefs offense to 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 have 18 15 yard play drives you know and that's what's and that's and that's the struggle part of the kansas city chiefs offense man they're just used to making these big splash plays getting on and getting off the field coming back making the big splash plays getting on then getting back off the field coming back making big splash plays now nah, they're making you go to deep the distance now that's what these defenses is doing now you can have these five or six yard plays We'll rather take that, you run out the clock, uh, go 15 to 18 plays in 80 yards. And right now, the Kansas City Chiefs, they haven't figured that part out because they're used to making so many splash plays. So until the Kansas City Chiefs take a Tom Brady approach, um, which Tom Brady, he takes what the defense give him. He don't mind going 15 to 18 plays down the field. If he sees the opportunity to throw a big shot, he's going to take a big shot. But also, what they're also doing is keeping Patty Mahomes in the pocket as well. They're not letting him uh scramble as much as he used to. You gotta sit in the pocket and you gotta you gotta pinpoint, you gotta make plays. Um Tyreek, uh he's he's a hell of a hell of a talent, hell of a talent. But he's also a body catcher. And you can tell going from east to west, he like catching with his body instead of his hands. And when you get in rainy games on which they had last night, and all of a sudden you wanna catch with your hands, but you used to catch you used to catching with your body, it gets kind of slippery out there. So that's that's another thing that got affect. on the defensive side. I always thought that defense was okay. I just thought the offense was that powerful. Um, I always thought they 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 built the defense to rush the passer because they knew they always was gonna, they always was going to be ahead of games. So that's 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 how I looked at that. But at the same time, um, they just got to figure it out as a team, man. They just they giving up. They giving um they giving up. They giving up yards right now on defense and it's it's not helping the offense so they defense always relied on their offense now the offense relying on the defense and they're nowhere to be found
0: ike i want to give you kudos because you pointed this out to me a few weeks ago about the chiefs and what opposing defenses are doing to their offense watch how opposing defenses keep two safeties deep to keep everything in front of them and to force the chiefs to go underneath I've noticed mm-hmm. the two deep safety since you pointed that out. And you're exactly right. Forcing them to go 10, 12, 14, 15 play drives down the field instead of, okay, Tyree kills going to beat you over the top, or we're going to find Travis Kelsey deep down the field. Teams are taking that away. What's your counter, which is why I think establishing the chiefs running game. Like I know they were using Tyree Hill in the backfield last night because they were trying to get something going with the running game. And it's like, whether that's Edwards Elaire's fault or not, like I- I'm kind of more of the notion with Edwards E'Laire is that is he being utilized in the right way? Because I think he's really talented in space, but can he be your bell cow? Do you draft that style of running back in the first round? That's really the bigger question that I have. So like you said, I coming off that Super Bowl, it was more of a luxury, but I see what the Buccaneers did in a similar situation a year later, and they get Joe Tryon uh, Shurinka, the edge rusher who's filled in and been a beast off the edge for, right. for the Buccaneers. I know you're talking about two different franchises, but it, I I don't know. I, I just, I look at what Najee Harris has done for the Steelers. I look at what Javante Williams has done for the Broncos. And I think right. the chiefs could have either gotten that later in the draft or drafted a different player who just has a little bit of a bigger stature. And I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's fair to consider Clyde edwards Lair as a number one uh, running back, but if you draft the guy in the first round, you kind of expect him to be. So that's just kind of where that's what my thought process is
1: with that. Yeah, that's just um, Clyde edwards He just got to stay healthy, bro. But that's 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 been his man. Yeah. He did fall out at at LSU um, and they won a national championship. But at the same time, uh, me uh, if I'm a pick a if I'm a pick a running back in the first round, it's going to be somebody. Who, who got some size to him. And I'm not trying to knock Clyde at all. I'm just saying it's going to be a Derrick Henry, or Joe Mixon, um, a, a Najee Harris kind of style running back. And I have, you know, Clyde Edwards-Filler kind of offset on what I have on coming in after them two. But I'm not going to shoot for the first. But it was a luxury pick for them. Um, if they could do it different, I'm sure that I, I, I guarantee you they probably would. But that's just what it is, and they got to deal with it right now. Shout out to the Believe It Steelers podcast research staff. Ike
0: played in 13 games a season ago, so you're exactly right. Didn't play in all 16, and we'll see how much time he misses with the injury where his teammates were carrying him off. Wish him a speedy recovery, no doubt there. Uh, Ike, as we start to wrap up here, we're going to have a full preview of the week six game between the Seahawks and the Steelers. It's going to be at Heinz Field. And speaking of Sunday night football, the Steelers will be on Sunday night against Seattle and a Seattle Seahawks team that's probably going to be without Russell Wilson. He had finger surgery. Pittsburgh Steelers, four-point favorites at home in Week Six. I we might be talking about getting back to five hundred, and I'm really, really excited nah. about that.
1: Yeah, Pittsburgh will. And uh, Russ, I trust won't beat up because of his mm-hmm. hand injury. Um, Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm telling you, if they if they just stick to this, you know, thirty attempts a game because right now Seattle defense isn't playing good as well either. So if Pittsburgh can just stick to this 30 attempts rushing the ball, they will win a lot of football games. Um, Ben will stay upright, and he will stay healthy if they do that. Um, He won't be as targeted as much if they do that. And what I mean by if they do that, that's running the down ball. So, yes, I do have the Pittsburgh Steelers beating Seattle um, Sunday night, right? You said Sunday night, Mark?
0: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And the Seahawks probably are going to be without Mister Unlimited, if you will. Again, Russell Wilson probably won't play. Expect Geno Smith right. to go for the go Seahawks.
1: Go ahead. ahead, Ike. I'm sorry. I got Pittsburgh. I got Pittsburgh winning this by ten. I'm gonna go on Bet Online and see what they're talking about.
0: All right, like I said, we're going to have a full breakdown later this week about that. Ike, before we finish here, I know you've got a new cigar wrapper. It's part of your one-of-a-kind cigar line with Howard G. Cigars. Please let the listeners and viewers know all about that.
1: Hey, check this out. Uh, the beginning of January 2022, um, if y'all already know, I got my cigar one-of-a-kind out. You can catch it at Howard G. Cigars. Uh, I have a Samacha wrapped cigar out right now. It's called one-of-a-kind that's a that's a mild to medium kind of stick depending on your palate but boy i got something coming out in january for all my you know 2022 babies it's a connecticut wrap which is a lighter wrap so it's a real mild and light cigar something before you even eat breakfast or drink some water brush your teeth you can puff on if you want to and it's damn so good so i'm just excited man like i tell You know, my 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 partner, how I say, man, God has been good to us. And I tell you the same thing, Um, Mark. God has been good to us. So just opening a lot of doors, allowing us to be who we are um, and meeting people and calling them families, family um, along the way. So that's what I'm doing. But make sure you all check out at Howie G Cigars, my one of a kind stick. It's a matcha wrap, but I got a new one coming out in January. It's a Connecticut wrap. So it's, it's 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 very, very, very mild. And I'm sure you'll love it. It's an in the morning kind of cigar. We just got to figure everything out. But yeah, stay tuned and be ready. But also stay tuned, and we we'll appreciate Bet Online. We we'll appreciate Mark. We we'll appreciate Miss Cordy and her, and, and her crew at Brinks TV. We we'll appreciate the the fans and the views. Make sure y'all give us and rate us five stars. So that's what you gotta love about that. And I'm gonna let Mark close it out. Ike, you did a wonderful job.
0: It's always. Awesome. The best talking with you week in and week out. I'll go ahead and sign off for the both of us here. For Ike Taylor, I'm Mark Bergen. Thank you for listening to the Believe in Steelers podcast. We will see you later this week to preview Seahawks and Steelers. Until then, take care and so long, everybody. Peace.